HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network and the British Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45. Got a huge group of people here in the studio today, joined as usual with Nastasia, the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got Jordana Rothman over here. And Hi. Seat. How you doing? Doing well? So well. Yeah, Jordana and uh, Nastasia together, actually, for the 4th of July, which we get to. But also, special guest today, we got Cliff. Clifford, so how do you pronounce, how do you actually pronounce your last name? You go by the last name Endo usually, but it's actually yes. Gulliver. It's Gulliver, but that was, name was given to our family by French missionaries. Ooh, so yeah. so the original like Palau Endo is our Japanese, Japanese real last name. So Clifford Endo is what I usually go by. Oh, so why, yeah. how, come, how come I like your like when did this happen? When did you make this change in, in your name? Eighteen years old. Wow. All yeah. right. So Endo, it is no more Gulliver. Well, it's still there. I just never say it. All right. Yeah, it exists for government documents only. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so wait, like, so you're interesting actually. Like, like Japanese, but Palauan. That's what I like because I like the word Palau. Palau. Yeah. It's Palau. a small, tiny little island. My mom's from there. I was born there. They're half Japanese, half Palauan. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, I'm. Would I like? I would hate it. Right. Tropical paradise. I would hate it. Yeah, it'd be terrible. The crystal blue waters, more fish than you could ever imagine. Well, the fish delicious? Oh, God, yeah. All right, that's yeah. a sale. I'll go. And so, uh, Jordana and Stas, you guys, were, oh, by the way, calling your questions to 718 497 2128. That's 718 497 2128. You know, I do have a caller on the line. We can get to him whenever. But... All right, okay. I'm not going to let him hang. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, Dave, what's up? It's Joe from Greenpoint. How you doing? How's Greenpoint doing good. today? Is very, that... very good. Um, yeah, nice. I love your show. Um, so I, I, lately I've been experimenting with uh, smoking briskets, and I wanted to try to do like a combination of sous vide or like low temperature cooking and smoking, and I wanted to get your thoughts on how I might go about doing that. Like, should I do the smoking? For, I'm assuming I should do the smoke first, and then then the the put it put it in uh, in in the uh, water, but. Uh, 
what temperature should I do? I was kind of thinking maybe it would be cool to do it like medium rare braise type thing, but I don't know if that's something that you would recommend for brisket. Um, just, yeah, what would your thoughts be? All right, just, just so you know, so the people we got here, you got your normal Nastasia to tell me that I'm an idiot, but Cliff uh, has been doing, uh, worked with me for a long time and has been doing uh, culinary production for the past couple of years, so mm-hmm. worked a lot with these kind of techniques. And Jordana uh, was paid, uh, is currently paid to write about eating and cooking and formerly critic of other people's uh, uh cooking, correct? Very critical. Very critical. Deeply critical person. Right. So I'm sure you're, you have probably your own views on low temperature brisket uh, and, you know, Cliff has his, but I'll just give you mine right away. Uh, if you're doing a low temp brisket and you're going to go medium rare, let's divide this into two problems, smoke problem and the texture problem, the temperature you're going to do, right? So if you're going to go low temperature on it, um, it's not going to taste like a traditional brisket. So if you're certain, like, like let Jordana, let's say you're going to a restaurant, someone's like, I'm going to give you a brisket. You have in your mind what a brisket is, right? Mm-hmm. Someone comes out with something that's meat rare, even if it's tender, you're like, ah, right. that's more steaky. Right. And Doesn't hit the spot. Let, well, yeah, because the spot you thought you were getting hit with was the brisket spot. Yeah. And a medium rare brisket doesn't hit it hits a, it's delicious but it hits a different kind of a spot so like and, and i think that's that's the main problem with and i did this because i've i don't know how many thousands of short ribs i've cooked uh you know when i was at the french culinary as part of all the teaching stuff that we did but you know the more and more i ate i was like this is delicious but it's not really a short rib and if you want a short rib this is not what you want Anyone, you guys agree with me here so like you can yeah. do a medium rare thing it, it's not going to taste as meaty Right, and it won't have as much moisture loss, so it won't have the same texture or concentration of uh, flavor. So there's that, right? So you can choose. You can do like a, a relatively, you know, uh, you know, medium. It's like when I do confit, I do high temp. Honestly, I do. Uh, if you want to do the meat rare thing, do the meat rare thing, but it's not going to be the same. The other thing is, is that for smoke, for smoking, for flavor. In color, yeah, you could smoke it. Uh, you could smoke it before because that's going to prevent the drying out of it. So if you're if you're going to do if you're going to do a mead rare, I would smoke before. Then I would do your low temp, and then I would do a final crisp up on the outside of the skin. Yeah, that was my worry was bark degradation. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, hell yeah! yeah. You got to give a final crisp up. The yeah. answer is always a final crisp up. Yeah, unless it's going to be all you know el sauce. But even in case, like if you do a like, remember Cliff, when we used to do for the the low temp sous vide classes, we would do the uh, short ribs, and they come out of the sauce, and they have that disgusting yeah, like yeah, yeah, green. Yeah. Tinge. Yeah, you have it. to fix that. You have to fix that. Yeah. Right. So you just need a little bit of heat on the on the on the outside, even if you didn't care about the texture, even if you were going to chum it up and turn it into baby food, just to get the color right, much yeah. less the texture on the outside. But just remember, the pleasure of a fine brisket is a little bit of drying out on the outs. In my opinion, it's a little bit of the drying out on the outside, unless you're. Well, I mean, no, it is. I mean, it is. So I mean, like a little bit of crust on the outside, even if you're going to go uh, mead rare. I, you know. One more last thing I'll give you. I don't really see any freaking point at all in going anywhere in between. Like as soon as you hit, uh, as soon as you hit like um, in beef, I would say like 60, 63 Celsius. Yeah. Anything above that, I don't see the damn point. Just go, go, you know, go full temp. I, I don't really see much of a of a good range in there. Anyone agree? Disagree? Anyone? 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 No. All right. What is this answering your question or not? I can't tell. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, but what what temp would you? First of all, do you think it's worth smoking it first and doing this, or is it just a stupid idea? And secondly, what temp would you do it if if you were to do it? 
What temp uh, for the cook? I mean, like yeah, yeah okay. So, so, no, for the for the for the uh, uh, yeah for the the CV part of it, the yeah. temp part of it. Okay, well, after you look, like when, when you're first doing a lot of low temp work, you're you're inclination is to do the uh, kind of virtuoso move that like Bruno Gousseau, like, you know, the, the granddaddy of low temp cooking used to do where he'd do like his, you know, uh, long cooked meats at rare at like 54, you know, degrees, uh, which is like rare. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd be like, awesome, right? And remember this is a story I haven't told in a long time, so Nastasia is not going to throw up if I tell it again, but uh, Chef Alain Sayac, who was uh, you know, like the dean at the uh, French Culinary Institute, had a, went to a famous dinner that uh, Joel Robuchon and, uh, and uh, uh, Bruno Gousseau gave, and they gave them a 72-hour, like 52 or 54-degree uh, short rib, and Chef Alain was like, this is not a short rib. And he thinks like, it made me sick. I was sick. I was like, it's not, it didn't make you sick, dude. It was like straight up bacteriologically safe. Sucker was the safest <laughs> damn thing in the world. It could be served to people in like a nursing home. Thing was safe. But uh, he thought it made him sick because he's like, it is disgusting. Who wants this? You know what I mean? So it's like, it just wasn't anything he wanted. So for a virtuoso move with your, with your food buddies who like, like new stuff, yeah, you can go all the way that low. In general, people like long-cooked things higher, like 57, uh, which is about 135. is a good, meat-rare, long-cook, but it's not going to be as meaty. You could push it all the way up to, like I say, to like – I mean if you're going to go low, I would just do 50, 50 – between 57 and 60, somewhere in that range. And um, – Never above like sixty two, sixty three, but like I would I would stay in that fifty seven to sixty range. It gets a the each increment in temperature you go up, it gets a little drier but a little more meaty flavor. Okay. Remember, cool. if you're going to put a sauce in the bag, reduce the hell out of it. This is the mistake people make. They don't reduce the hell out of it. You ever put like a meat in a bag and you cook it and all the juices come out and now it's like swimming in its own juices, especially at these higher temperatures. If you're going to go like 60, right? So think about the fact that any like sauce that you put in, which is not going to evaporate at all, is going to, it's going to get diluted by the meat's own juices. And then it's going to be like – it's going to be poached. And poaching is right. an entirely different technique, my friend. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, good luck. All right, All right. All right so uh, before we get into the questions that were written in, we got to talk about, uh, you know, the so Stas and Jordan, 4th of July. Oh, yeah. It was really magical. Yeah? You were uh, yeah. there in uh, the Watch Hill, right? It was another time. It was like being in the 1930s, and we built a fort, and it was spectacular. A fort? I was told teepee. Fort? It was a, te- it was a teepee, yeah. No, it was a glowing teepee in the yeah. forest yeah. outside of our restored barn. I like that a lot. You know, I'm yeah. going to build a legit teepee, like 15-foot teepee with pole. Wow, this is the I mean, I'm sure I'm you're going to do it better than I did it. Well, but, I mean, you know. did you buy did you, did you buy the, uh, the two best-known references on teepee and lodge construction? Um, no. Actually, what I did was I went foraging in a shed for electrical cords, which I left around some trees and hung sheets over them. So that's if that's how baller. you would do it, that's pretty then, baller. I mean, like, yeah. I, I like you know this. You know what I like about Jordan Stas? She gets she gets it done. She gets it done. She gets it done. Yeah. I'm a resourceful friends. chick. You know, you, know? You, you didn't need a TP. You didn't need a TP in a week, right? What I needed, what I what we actually did, although Anastasia disagrees with this, is that we danced, we weaved throughout the trees, and I tried to pay attention to the trees to which Anastasia was particularly drawn. She hates trees. <laughs> no, she, she hates doesn't. Trees. She, she tells me because I like. Like them, so she says that she. She doesn't them. like cooked fruit, the bottom of pools, biscuits, uh, biscuits, and Pie. eagles. Oh, That's she, cooked eagles? fruit. The eagles, yeah, she hates them. 
Uh, not Jackson. the team, the, the 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 band. But she does oh, like the trees. The band. Okay. Yeah. She does like board. trees. This is a witchy woman. She, but she always told me she hates them because I like them. <laughs> well, when we have to stop and like eat the leaves. Maybe, and yeah. She doesn't like the things that you do with trees. She likes what I do with trees. It's a different thing entirely. She likes S and Ming trees. <laughs> She like, wasn't there for the lashing. Oh, I did that in private. I lashed alone <laughs> yeah. so that I could surprise her. Nice. So, yeah. I heard that yeah. you guys uh, were crushing your beer cans and throwing them into Taylor Swift's deck. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we did. Nice. And we filled them with fireworks, actually. Nice. And we created projectiles, and they, they landed, and Ed Sheeran's hair caught on fire. I like and that. that's the origin tale of his red hair. That's sweet. I like that a lot. So, you know, I actually, like, you know, one of your buddies who was there was supposed to get the fireworks for your shindig stuff. Didn't no, do it. Yeah, no, but I had another buddy who showed up with fireworks. Oh, thank God for buddies. I, the, uh, <laughs> I, I had a huge amount of illegal fireworks at, at my place, and I have to say, I think I talked about it on the show, if you have the opportunity if you live near a state that like has decent laws about fireworks go out right now because i'm sure it's cheap and buy the 500 gram zipper cake entitled american trucker it is 11 seconds of awesome awesome is that the uh, name of a firework oh yeah oh okay yeah, yeah. Okay. And right before we played it, I cranked American Woman like Lenny Kravitz. And Ooh, the American trucker was like, like, here's the thing. Like, most times, so the 500 grams is the most amount of powder you can put into a firework uh-huh. and sell legally and as one block of firework. And I bought some of the giant tubes that you light singly, which are awesome because they're like, poof, you know, they go really yeah, high. Bullet. But the ones that you, like, light one and walk away, it's awesome. So most of these last, like, 45 seconds a minute. But American Trucker does its full 500 grams in 11 Seconds, eleven, and I like it. Like I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I hope this doesn't say to me. I, I'm that guy that I crunch my candy. You know what I'm saying? I put yeah. the hard candy in my mouth. I try to suck on it for a minute. I'm like, f this, and I crunch it, and that's it. Because I want that we're burst. Di- we're different in that way. You're the long suck. Yeah, I'm a slow burn gal. Wow. Yeah. 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 Anyway, but so maybe you would prefer the big and bold, which is another one of the 500 gram cakes that I got. But I'm saying American Trucker for my money, especially if you back it up with a bunch of like Excalibur and El Diablo shells right afterwards. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, also I got another caller by the way. Oh, I want Also, I hooked up my deep fryer to go uh, LP. So I took my natural gas deep fryer out of the city. I'm no longer a deep fryer in the city. Brought it to Connecticut, fired it up on propane, have it outside. So I've for years been telling people to uh, put their deep fryer outside, and so I can report on how it's going to work with weather and propane usage and all that. I'll be testing it the whole freaking summer, but I was busting out fries and chicken and shrimp like the end of the freaking world was coming. Anyway, caller, you're on the air. Uh, It's Colin down in D.C. calling in. And I had a question, uh, sort of set of questions about ice for you i got a friend who's opening and i got a friend who's opening up a bar in you know a former restaurant space and they've got some equipment still there and we're trying to see if it makes any sense to hold on to that for their ice program so you mean like an ice Uh, machine they have okay they have some ice machines you want to hold on to yeah they got an ice machine and they got like a a victory two-door reach-in freezer we were hoping to try to use to do some, like, bigger, clear presentation kind of cubes and stuff. Okay. Um, on, on the, with the, with the small, with the small stuff, uh, they've got an isomatic little thing that, like, pushes out those little waffle-shaped cube things. Yeah. Uh, is that, it's, like, smaller than you suggest in your book. For shaking stuff or stirred stuff because it's just too much surface and they melt quick. 
Yeah, they're kind of execrable have, little things. I mean, like, do you have a use? Do you have a non-cocktail use for them? Um, I think they might. I mean, I think he's shipped in this place to mainly mainly cocktail bar with like a small small food program. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know how much it, I don't I don't know what the cost of ownership on that sucker is, but I mean, like, if I yeah. could, if I could like like do whatever I wanted, I would get like a medium decent ice machine, right, with decent size, uh, you know, not like huge cues, but decent size cues, one that's easy to kind of uh, work with. I would do my own ice program by freezing down cubes, probably in a, in a chest freezer. Uh, you could do reach in, but chest yeah. in, in igloos. And then if I had like like super money, I would go get a nugget machine because I've always wanted a nugget machine. Uh, and then uh, that's what I would do. Oh, and then man. if you wanted like a serious, like uh, if you wanted a serious, uh, what's it called, like raw bar, you could get a flake, but or you could just. Uh, or you could just get a like a machine to flake out the cube, cubes that you got. But that, that's I mean that's what I would do. I here's yeah. the thing: like if you're strapped for cash, yeah, make it work with the crap ice that you know comes out of that machine. But uh, you know, make sure you make sure that you change the filters and make sure everything like you know, if it's coming out clear, your filters I'm are probably pardon. good. So if it's the, not... like the water's like the water off that ice is quite nice. It's good, but it's just you know it's kind of small. It, we sort of see that it's got limitations and. You know, we could calibrate around that and just try to work with it, but you could, you, know, uh, you could, but you know, with the idea of like try for something like it's like a cold draft machine. Sort of sounds like what has the uh, has the buzz is something. Yeah, I mean, cold draft people uh, use a lot I, around here. I like cold draft for the, like cocktail stuff, but you know, if you're going to do any culinary with it, it's kind of a crappy culinary ice because it doesn't stack very well into uh, like if you actually need to ice a bunch of yeah. stuff down, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt. Here's another thing I'll say: uh, if you look, if you. In New York, a lot of the times what you do is you hire – like the bartender comes in and they're working a couple shifts here, a couple shifts there, a couple shifts here, a couple shifts there, right? Then it's going to be hard to have everyone yeah. bend their head around the fact that you're using shell ice and everyone else is not. And so you're probably going to have some issues with it. If, you're, if your bar team is only your bar yeah. team and they're only working with you, yeah, then you can crank – you know, like as long as you know what you, your tools are, you can crank delicious stuff out no matter what ice you have. It doesn't matter. You just have to like alter your – alter your techniques uh, a little bit, but then it requires you to make sure that everyone does alter their techniques, and if someone comes in, you have to beat them around the head and tell them that, you know, that it's a little different from where they worked before, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that everything's right. You're going to have to keep a really uh, eagle eye on your wash lines when the drinks come out and stuff like that, but I mean, it can be done. I mean, ice ice is ice. It's just the rate at which it dilutes. That's all That's all you're messing with, right? And then how much yeah, surface exactly. water is on it. Yeah. Well, one, one thing we had heard in talking to some of our some of our friends down here that had places is that you know a couple of them had had some kind of recurring maintenance issues with their cold draft machine. Yeah, recently. Is there stuff to really pay attention to with those, or is that like I don't know? They, makes, is they there claimed, something that makes them a little bit higher maintenance than just the shell ice machines? They claim that they fixed those maintenance problems, but I don't know whether that's true. It also used to be that there weren't as many people around servicing cold drafts, so when they went down, there was like uh, problems. I mean, a lot of times in the summer, especially as your machine ages, you're going to get problems with your ice machine because they're running all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I had heard that I thought that they fixed that problem. I, I'd heard that that was a problem. I haven't, I haven't owned one. Uh, or you know had to use one on a daily basis in years, so I don't currently know like. Uh, but someone will probably tweet in and be like, "Nah, they fixed that. They work fine." Or they'll tweet and be like, "No, it's still a problem." You know what I mean? I mean, I are there other are there other sort of brands in that ballpark that are recommended by people? Uh, that, like, uh, almost everyone know? now 
makes a uh, almost everyone now makes a larger size cube that you can use and a nicer nicer cube. I would look look. You know, you're going to have a service contract at the at the right. bar restaurant. So I would. I mean, honestly, whoever services this stuff well, I haven't done – it used to be that every year or so I would have to read all of the company's specs on their ice machines and, and freezers and fridges and see who was coming out with, like, the new stuff because I used to write about it for food arts. But I haven't specced one in a long time. So, you know, I don't know – you know, things, yeah, gotcha. th- things to look for are, you know, uh, is the filtration good? Uh, does it have a problem with uh, – with um, you know mold and slime growing on the inside of the unit because that's you know an issue. Who is that guy? Some guy told me about the guy in Texas who used to like go into every restaurant, bust into the kitchen with the camera crew, go to the ice machine, and be like green slime, and that was like all he ever did. That was his only restaurant shtick. You heard of this guy? Definitely not. I think he's dead now. But anyway, it's a kind of a good shtick, right? <laughs> green slime. So you want to make sure that uh, you know that, that that's the thing. It's easy to clean, and it's not going to harbor nasty bacteria. That's it. You don't want to harbor nasty bacteria. You want a good filter. You want to make nice, clear ice. It doesn't taste like crap. Don't you hate when you go to a place and the ice machine has some sort of like crazy ass infection, and that the ice tastes wrong? Don't you hate that? You hate it. Yeah. And it never gets dry. It just stays wet. Yeah, you know what else? Gross. Yeah, I hate that. You know what else I hate? When they don't fix the filters on their ice machines and the ice machine gets that crumply look on the outside of the ice, that like raggedy yeah, yeah, look yeah. on the outside of the ice because mm-hmm. it wasn't like filtered right. I hate that. Or when you start getting the, the cloudy sprays through the ice because it's fil- – hate that. Hate. Hate. Yeah. Anyways, I hope that helps. Uh, on, the cle- on the like big clear box side, we tried – we did a run trying just like a double stacking like a – the, like shorty in the regular depth hotel pans to kind of create a you know an empty space beneath and a, do you see something like that working i mean do you see like an inherent problem with that other than that like the bottom chunk's gonna not be beautiful as long as we like kind of i mean knock did, the top did, it, out. did it work yeah it seemed to it's just the way the way it's the way it is right now is kind of slow because it's a little hot in that room. So we're working on the ventilation to make the uh, refrigeration work a little more efficiently. Right. I mean, the, but, the, the, it's know. supposed to be slow. If it, like you should only be freezing. Look, to get a really nice clear cube, you should probably only be freezing like you know uh, in that kind of a freezer without movement. Because remember, you're not moving in like a Klein Bell. Klein Bell can freeze faster because the water's moving. In a fridge, right. you probably shouldn't be free a freezer. Rather, you probably shouldn't be freezing more than like two, two and a half inches a day. Uh, yeah, and, okay. Yeah, and yeah, that was another thing I was curious about. And, you know, look, you know, if, if the double pans the... works for you, if it insulates it enough such that you're not trapping stuff in the underside of it and you're still getting clear cubes that you can, like, you know, chip off the stuff, then, yeah, I mean, that's easier to deal with than, uh, than igloos. I've always just done it in an igloo because, I don't know, I just have. I've never tried a double hotel pan. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I've done at home. It, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the last okay. Last thing is in in a in your, in the freezer, right? It's got a defrost cycle and an individual timer to run that. Is there? Do you, would you, if we're using this primarily just for freezing blocks of ice, is there a best way to? Kind of game that defrost cycle. I would just, look, look, not. Yeah, no. I don't think the defrost is gonna. Defrost is not gonna hurt your your. As far as I can tell, the defrost is not gonna hurt your ice making, and uh, it will okay. it will shaft your coils if you don't defrost it. Defrost obviously don't ever put freaking ice cream in a, in a, in a freezer that has a defrost cycle because you're just asking obviously. for pain. Obviously, yeah, ruining everything. <laughs> but like, uh, but but remember, the whole goal of a big ice cube is giant freaking ice crystals. So the enemy. 
the enemy of your ice, which is like melting the small crystals and melting and like refreezing them back in of your ice cream, rather melting them back into larger uh, ice crystals, is in fact your friend when it comes to big ice. Your friend. Don't shaft those coils. Don't shaft those coils. That's yeah. what mom always told me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we're not gonna. We're gonna go through a whole other episode without getting to any of the written questions, aren't we? Is that gonna happen to us? Well, people should only ask one question per call. I know, but, but that's not been our rule. I if think you, you want to, est- if you want to establish a rule, well, if you want to establish a rule, you can establish a rule. But that's not been all right. Should, should we do some questions before we go to break, Jack? Yes. 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 Oh, uh, by the way, I'll just I'll just put this in. I shouldn't do this, but uh, John Rivet wrote in, and so Dave cared away in on the latest peas and guacamole debate. I didn't even hear about this till it was too late. Apparently, what the president, of, like our president of our United mm-hmm. States, yeah. cares yeah. about whether there's peas in the guacamole. Yeah. Guacamole. And Wait, like, do people put peas in guacamole? Melissa Clark does, apparently. Thing? I don't know. Well, Jordana hooked me up with this. Tell, tell, I know you know, but Stas doesn't care because she hates to talk about food when she's not at work, and we don't do that for work. So, you know. Well, the peas in guacamole. Well, I actually, I miss the hullabaloo myself, but I'm aware of it because, you know, it's, I'm aware of it. But um, there was actually, there was a pea guacamole at ABC Cocina like a year and a half ago. I mean, like this is not like a new debate and it sort of sparked up then. And then Melissa Clark published, I think a recipe in the New York times. And it was like this whole Twitter hullabaloo and people were debating whether they were team P or team no P. Well, team, I understand team. It, it, it's, a, it's a variant, right? If you like to taste, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it good? It's kind of like the baseline I mean, for everything. Yeah. Did it taste good or not? Well, like I like I, I like mean, Alex Dupac's like uh, pistachio guacamole. I think it's delicious. Sure, and he actually he makes a great one with uni as well, which is quite good. Yeah, that quite good. Thug life. I'll yeah. eat that. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that wouldn't be my first. That wouldn't be my my first way to describe it. But I like where you went with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, whatever. Right. Exactly. But like, we need things to debate because like we're you know. What's the debate? Hung- it's not like the- hungry for you know arguments that you know there's everyone wins. It's oh, an appro- I hate it's an arguments appro- that everyone It's wins. an approach approach debate. We can all feel good at the end of the day. I you like peas. I, mean? I don't. Okay, then. Right. I mean, how's that an argument? Well, because it's like it's a it's a it's a light way to have a debate and sort of like exorcise some of our demons without you know offending anyone. Well, I'll tell you what. I, you know, mine. I'm talking about human nature. My guacamole thing. I put cumin in mine all the time. Well, I mean. You yeah. bring shame upon this family. Yeah, well, I, you, know, you know what? I paid for the avocados. I do what I want. And the debate there ends. If you don't want to eat my guac, I put... If I, I put, really I, want to eat your guac, actually. You know, that's what I'm saying. I put... You know what? Nastasia doesn't like cumin, and so she doesn't put it... We've had this discussion on the air before. Yeah. So listen to this. You ready for this? Nastasia does not put cumin in her chili. Wow. Well, too much cumin goes B.O. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's a but thing. But too little cumin, and you got tomato stew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, beef me, tomato stew. For me, a guacamole is measured. I mean, you can put whatever you want in it. Frankly, like I wouldn't put cumin, but it's a tasty flavor. It's I can understand why you would. It's about the gradient of color. If you overmash your guacamole and it's like all like the same color green, then. You and I have some words. Uh, here's here's the issue. Like I like a chunky, like like old style. I also like hyper pureed both. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm on the chunky style. I, I can't do the puree. Okay, I also like both kinds a, of peanut butter. I'm just going to go there. Yeah, but that's a totally different thing. Really? So yeah, guacamole is you want to see the green. You want to see the dark green and the light green and the sort of yellowy, and it reminds you what you're eating, and it connects you to the earth, and it's like a whole thing. You connects don't want you the, to the earth. They grow in trees. The puree, <laughs> yeah. What, is the, what does a tree grow out of, uh, Arnold? Well, so, so do I grow out of the earth. You look at me, and remind <laughs> you of the earth. I'll well, when I mash you into a guacamole, I'll be sure to keep <laughs> the gradient uh, of color. Strong. Hey. Speaking of mashed and peas, though, I was just in uh, London, and those guys make the mashed minted peas, which I didn't know I liked. I didn't know I liked mashed minted peas. Super tasty. They're delicious. Yeah. I had one excellent version of it that spoiled me forever, and one like, oh, my God, why didn't I have the excellent one all the time? Because the second one I had, I was like, oh, mashed minted peas, mashed minted peas. (laughs) And they were like, you know, like all kind of like, you know what I mean? They were like, like, give him the bad stuff. He's too excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's ruined forever. Oh, man. Doesn't it suck to like just get turned on to something and have gotten a really good one, and then someone gives you the crap the next day? Mm-hmm. The worst. All right. And one more thing. Uh, E.W. Nasser wrote in, a uh, friend of the show, uh, regarding the caller about eggless ice cream a while ago, uh, he's been using uh, Jenny's ice cream recipes for a while. J-E-N-I. Uh, look it up on the internet with great uh, results. Uh, should, we do a, should we do a question? Jack, do we have I, time? I have one more caller if we want to squeeze that in. Let's do it. Caller, you're on the air. You have one question, caller. <laughs> oh, Jack is the hammer today. Hi, I wanted to uh, ask you. Um, I had a great time at Booker and Dax last weekend, by the way. Oh, thanks. I wanted to ask you about the um, how to recreate the Razzmatazzarac, ah. and also just kind of like your general formula for Rattlers, or like any kind of informa- uh, interesting ideas ideas you would try with them. Uh, the Razz- the Razzmatazzarac is uh, they were doing uh, they were getting dried freeze dried raspberries and then blending them Hustinoed into the liquor and spinning them out. So any sort of like freeze-dried raspberry, and I think they're still using freeze-dried raspberries. So that's what they use for their base. And then otherwise, it's a straight Sazerac. It's the only use of Peychaud's I allow in the bar because I detest Peychaud's bitters. It tastes like cough syrup. Jordana, you love cough syrup. That's why. That's what they're looking for. Scissor. 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 Sipping some scissor. Yeah. You know what? Uh, we actually used to have Robitussin on the back bar. Remember that? If it's not a controlled substance, no interest. Whoa, uh, whoa, you're getting the real, you're getting the real. What's well, that's what Sizzurp is. It's not just like Robitussin. But we're doing it for flavor, Jordana, just for flavor. And it tastes remarkably like uh, Peychaud's. Because hmm. Peychaud's taste. I know where you, I see that. Yeah, uh, I yeah. can see that. And then we flamed it with the red hot, po- anyway, blah, 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 back to the question. So like that's how they do that. that. And other, other than that, I think it's fairly straight up like, you know, Sazerac. I think they do the absinthe. They might rinse with something else. I got to get the spec. It's not actually my spec. I didn't write the spec, so I got I to gotta get it. But the Rattler, honestly, it's the only recipe that, I, that I've uh, written that's written in cans. So like you do it just like you do the old school orange juice. We take a can of clarified, uh, of the beer, and then we take, and you want like a relatively non-hoppy, relatively uh, light beer, and then um, we uh, pour a can of uh, the clarified grapefruit juice into it and carbonate it. And that's it. It's like super simple, a couple drops of salt, super simple, super refreshing, very light alcohol, but refre- I like Rattler's a lot. Even Stas likes them. She's not a beery person. You had the Rattler at BDX, any of you guys? It's like, no. it's, so, like, obviously, like, a lot of people, they do, like, the lemon in the beer, but I like grapefruit. I like grapefruit in beer. I think mm-hmm. it's delicious. But yeah. you can't go too, too, too hoppy. You know what I mean? And also, I don't think the one we use is not Cascade, even though that would be a more grapefruity, fruity thing. But anyway, we don't. But anyway, so, like, I would think, like, 
anything like that, I think in the summer people like the low alcohol stuff. People like to people like a pounder, and the juice itself is too damn sweet. But when you cut it with the beer, then like the sweetness is right on the thing, and like the beeriness is right. So it's like right in between. It's like the Arnold Palmer of beers. Kinda. Shandy. Shandy. Yeah, but like the grapefruit in particular, I find refreshing. We go with some mushy peas. Some mushy minted peas, but a bright green mushy minted pea. Anyway, hope that helps. We're going to commercial break. Coming right back with cooking issues. There, it's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn, Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's Heritage Turkey, Japanese Steaks, Berkshire Pork, or Navajo Churro Lamb Chops is the righteous kind from healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at HeritageFoodsUSA.com for more information. than normal break back with cooking issues hey, Jack did you play any Jackie Molecules while we were on break no you didn't oh, I did not play Jackie Molecules can you play the Jackie Molecules ringtone please oh man I absolutely will here hold on let me pull it up did you did you download it yet I don't know how to. Did you don't know how to. I'll no, but I'll I made a ringtone for our friend Peter, Peter Kim, who is the... Brother Peter. Yeah, Peter Kim is, uh, by the way, the director of the August uh, Museum of Food and Drink, and we actually have an exhibit that's going to open in October. We can't say who's paying for it yet, but we Ooh. got a chunk of change uh, to do it. And so, uh, But I made him a ringtone 
uh, that Nastasi and I enjoy. And I'll play it for you now while Jack is getting up his jacket. I molecules. actually have mine. Here we go. Wait, 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 wait. I, mean, I got mine. Oh, you have yours ready? No child wants to play with a Peter in the box. Can you hear that? Yeah, he was doing it. <laughs> no child wants to play with a Peter in the box. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Nastasi and I are obsessed with Rudolph the Rudolph. Yes, wow. yes. My name's all wrong. No child wants to play with a Peter in the box, so I had to come here. Oh, I love that show, King Moon Racer. That show makes less and less sense every time I watch it. Stasi, you've seen it, what, 857 times? You've probably seen it more because you have kids. Yeah, but I think it freaks Booker out. He doesn't. You know what he doesn't like to watch? He doesn't like to watch the other one, the one with Heat Miser and Snow mm-hmm. Miser. And even though Thomas Waugh, the bartender, is an exact mix of Heat Miser and Snow Miser. Yeah. Oh, my God. Whoa. He totally is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. So, uh, Wait, you were reading Jackie Molecules. Where are my Jackie Molecules at? That was the one without you. Oh. Even better. Jackie Molecules. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Can any yeah. Cooking Issues listener download that? Uh, you had to donate to the Kickstarter campaign, but I'll, I'll tell you this. If you email Heritage Radio and ask specifically and ask nicely, uh, I'll, I'll send it over. I'm, I'm going to put that on. You never call me, Jack. You never call me anymore. So I'm going to have that be your ringtone when you... When you oh, perfect. I, I want, go. like, all my buddies to have custom ringtones. Why not? We live in a world where that's possible. You know Nastasia's, right? No. Uh, I shouldn't do this. This is not about cooking. And really, like, I have so many questions to get to, but, you know, I can't help it. Those of you that have met Nastasia in the real life will appreciate this. You are mean to me. You are mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. We got a question in. Matt from Aquan. I have Aquan. to do this. There's a caller who's been waiting the whole time. All right, caller, you are on the air. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Hey, this is Chris from the Green Zone with the mint question. Oh, what happened? You did, like you you already had your event, yeah? Well, it's uh, it's ongoing series of events, so uh, it's never too late. All right. All right, all right. So so what happened with the one that you did? So the question, well, by the way, you're trying to do mint, trying to you know, do mint, right? It up. I tried to batch it several times in advance. I blend it in my uh, blend tech. Uh, I have a blend tech, not a Vita prep, but um, and I tried adding ascorbic acid as an antioxidant. That didn't help. I'm basically using your blender muddling technique from Liquid Intelligence, and uh, ascorbic acid didn't work. I thought it might keep it from browning, but then I remembered all your talk about acids turning things with chlorophyll brown. Well, yeah, except uh, except okay. yeah, moderate amounts of ascorbic acid didn't help. Baking soda, because I know that alkaline things will keep things green, but then it stayed green, but it tasted funny. Yeah. And so for my events so far, I've just been blending it on the spot and serving the drink on the spot at the bar. Um, but I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to keep that green color for more than like half an hour. No, mint is much harder than the rest of the herbs. The ascorbic acid didn't help at all? No, I mean, in fact, if anything, that made it worse. Right. Well, if you add small amounts, so too much acidity can go the other way, but like, like it should, it should, the baking soda did work though. And you tried even like toning it down to, to, it's hard. Mint is really hard. Mint wants to go brown really badly. Yeah. Have you tried using like semi-dried? Well, I haven't, but so the whole point is that in, in you know, my bar is a Middle Eastern themed cocktail bar. And in the Middle East, blended mint lemonade is super popular. 
and it always has this vivid green color and really fresh taste. So that's what I'm going for. Right, but they're using dried, right? No, no, they're using fresh, but they blend it to order on the spot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I've never had luck keeping fresh mint. First, first of all, you can't blanch it. It's destroyed. You can't blanch it. You can't yeah, heat Yeah, no, it. Uh, blanching didn't work. I tried that, too. No, as soon as you heat the mint, it's ruined. It's rent. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, the, uh, yeah, I think the baking soda is going to make it taste soapy. The... It didn't taste soapy. It tasted almost like creamy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Creamy? That sounds like that could be good. Yeah, it didn't have like a creamy texture or anything, but like it had this slightly sweet, almost vaguely fatty dairy taste. Cliff says bun peas into it, but he's just joking. That goes back to the guacamole debate we were having earlier. Um, Although, you know what? Fake green, not fake, but like chlorophyll extracts, one thing you could do. Uh, You you could do that. You could do chlorophyll extracts in it. Uh, That's cheating. Mm. That's cheating like a mofo. Do chlorophyll extracts not turn brown over time? No, I think like like you make like a good spinach extract, uh, that'll stay green. It keeps for a while. Green. Yeah. Yeah. Green. I heard that's actually the source of the color in chartreuse. But you heard right. They dis- yeah. Spinach. Spinach. Huh, interesting. Yeah, well, see, well, see just, like, that works. I mean, the, the, and reduce it down or what? Uh, I mean, you don't need that much. I don't think. Like, if you make a good, ex- do you have a good, uh, t- a good uh, recipe off the top of your head, Cliff? For that, do you make that for the uh, TV shows ever for the green? Oh, uh, it's we just we it's a blanch blend strain. But you squeeze the hell out of it before you blend it, right? Blanch, yeah, 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 squeeze yeah. the hell, get that black, dark yeah. stuff out, then blend, strain, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, for the spinach. Yeah, the you know uh, the other problem though is when mint turns brown, it also the flavor changes. So if it's mainly the color, but you're not getting oxidative flavor changes in it, then you're going to be okay. But mm-hmm. if it starts tasting swampy, that's when you know you're going to. Yeah, be... it doesn't actually taste so bad. It's definitely I, I know what you mean. Like you know, if I muddle a mojito and I let it sit out for a while, it starts to smell and taste awful. Did you know that you're um, not allowed to yell at customers for not drinking their stuff fast enough? Did you know that? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, when I when I bless the order, the customers are definitely drinking it fast enough. Good, good for them. Anyway, but like, uh, I'm look, keep keep calling and tweeting back and let me know whether you come up with something that works because it's a problem that uh, everyone has had. We do all of our stuff on mint uh, to order just because. Uh, I've never been able to get it to keep, and I never do mint for outside events when we're going to do bottle batching because I can't get it to work. So if you come up with something that you like, just let us know, all righty? Okay, sounds good. All right. Uh, Matt wrote in oh, for... wait. Jordana's on the air for a reason. We only have five minutes left. She had a big question. Let me just finish Matt because I started it, and then we'll do it. <laughs> Matt from Akron wrote in on quinine. I haven't been able to get quinine sulfate USP from Spectrum Chemical. Uh, tips on that would be appreciated. They rejected my LLC's attempt. Hmm, tell them you're a school, right? Tell them you're a school. I, wait, I didn't tell you to just falsely represent that you're a school. I'll take that back. I don't know. Figure something out. Uh... To make tonic, but I have been able to get kinchona bark. The tonic I made from the kinchona bark is is it chinchona or kinchona? I've always said kin. I think it's chinchona. Chin, well, it's ch- chin like chin chin chin. Okay, chinchona is great tasting, but is brownish color that many find unappealing. Can you think of any way to clarify it? Well, remember, clarity and color are two different things. I can have something that's totally clear; it's still going to be brown, right? So you want colorless and clear. When I do it, I can make it uh, totally clear. I mean. Uh, 
yeah, clear in, in a centrifuge or with good filtration, uh, and that's going to be good for good enough for carbonation. Um, anyway, here's a link to uh, Jeffrey Morgenthaler's page if you need the recipe. Yeah, I have the recipe. He also adds other spices uh, to it. Uh, I've done a decent, um, I've done a decent uh, quinine. In fact, I have a recipe for it in Liquid Intelligence: How to Use the Bark. The problem is that even when it's fully clear, there are foaming agents in in the conchona bark that aren't the quinine, and it's going to you're going to get more foam out. So you just need to be careful. If you do a good job clarifying, and you could put it through a, a filter to try and do that, like you could put it through some sort of like a, some sort of you know filter that gets all the particles out. But I hate doing that. You could spin it in a low grade centrifuge. That would also work. So you don't need to do that much. But you need to get it crystal clear. Once it's crystal clear, I mean the color's not that unappealing. Once it's really watered down to the point where you're going to use it, uh, then it looks almost like a ginger ale, and people will find that it's uh, pleasant. And if you do get it clear, you will get foaming when you open the bottle, but you won't continuously lose carbonation uh, because of constant nucleation of bubbles. So hope that helps. Now. Uh, Jordana, we're gonna Jack. We're gonna have to do another freaking catch up. I'm ready when you are. I got I got two whole weeks worth of questions here. I'm not gonna get to answer. Jordana, what do we got going? Okay, so here's my situation. Um, I'm going to Burning Man again this summer. And wait, you you went once and you're gonna go again? Yeah, I'm gonna go for like as long as they'll have me. Basically, I thought the whole thing was that they have anyone that shows up. Um, definitely not the whole thing. Really? It's like a very regimented thing with like tickets and a whole. Really? Oh yeah. Didn't yeah. isn't it just like a bunch of people like lighting gas fires and it didn't start as a bunch of people like bringing a bunch of crazy stuff and lighting big gas fires in the desert? Um, it actually started on a beach in San Francisco, um, and it's grown to. I mean, it's the second largest city in Nevada outside of Las Vegas for one week out of the year. It's seventy thousand people, and it's like an entire infrastructure. It's a city. I mean, it's, are there gas fires? Because like, if there there's are no fire. Gas, okay. There are definitely fires. You burn the effigy. Don't worry. And a lot of the art burns as well. Um, and it's a really amazing community. I mean, it's like a staggering infrastructure. Actually, it's really, uh, uh, it's really stunning. What how well it actually works considering um its reputation do you li- where do you where do you live in this situation you live in do you have like some sort of like i uh, live in a camp yeah like a bedouin tent they're pretty awesome um i actually i live in in like a trailer <laughs> a double wide really oh, classy du- wait, double wide double wide they bring double wides into this well i bring we bring it yeah we bring it from reno drive it in damn yeah that's upping the game yeah, yeah. i mean a lot of people live in tents and that's still the majority for I sure have to do the, um, the trailer yeah, it's, I mean, listen, like, Double basically what it provides, it provides, I mean, it's not a whole, I mean, it's not, like, luxurious by any means, and I share it with six people, so it's not, it's wait, wait, cramped. Wait. And, when you say double wide, like, yeah. you're talking about the ones you that my grandma a, used to live in in Wappinger's Falls? Button, you, you drive it in, so you hitch it to a uh, truck, and you drive it in, and then you park it, and then you press a button, and it expands. Oh, so it's a movie trailer. It's like Haddad's. I don't know what Haddad's is, They're but... Like the movie trailer No, 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 guys. it's not... Oh, right, right, right. Actually, I do know what Haddad's is. Amazing. No, um, it's... No, I mean, it looks it looks like an RV. It just doesn't have the driving mechanism inside of it. It's oh. it's hitched to a truck. Um, basically, what it provides is, like, a little bit more protection from the elements, and it provides... Actually, it has a... You know, it has a, it has a bathroom for, you know, but it... And then it has a... Um, uh, a refrigerator, so that actually helps with some storage issues, but not to the extent that I'm going to need them this summer. Because so part of the whole experience there is that you go and you want to contribute to the community. Last year, I really kind of let it all wash over me, and it was really amazing, and I took so much from the experience. But I felt like I didn't contribute that much. So this year, my my group and I decided that we want to build a bar um, right. at Burning Man to give back to the community. And by and give, you mean you're not going to sell liquor? You're going to give it away? There's no selling. 
There's no it's a sign. Gift. It's a gift. It's okay. a gift. And so, actually, last year it sort of happened organically. Um, we started. To, we were making palomas for everyone, which was really nice. But um, this year we want to we want to you know make it a little bit more formal. We actually want to build a structure, and we have this idea for like a rope installation, art piece. And I want to do. And our, our camp is Day of the Dead themed. Um, shout out La Calaca. So we want to do you know Mexican cocktails, but part of that is citrus and the environment, the climate of Burning Man the citrus will go immediately. So you can't actually bring citrus. So I started to think about what are some alternatives to how can I fake citrus basically in the desert? So my first thought was that I would do minding that there are sort of packing issues as well. You know, like I'm bringing two duffels. We don't have a tremendous amount of room. There's not, you know, you, you, you got to be a little bit scrappy. So my first thought was maybe inspired by the acid tasting that you did at the fantastic MoFad benefit um, at Carnegie Hall. I thought maybe I would do like I would fake lime juice with some of the powdered acids. And so I want more information upon that. But then I was told by my friend Nastasia that you actually had another idea. Yes, many, many. So yeah. let's talk let's get, about it. Whenever yeah. you have a problem, here are the parameters. How many drinks are we talking about? How many that drinks? Was, well... Yeah, well, that's a. Mm. Give me a. I, I'm gonna say fifty, hundred, thousand. Where I'm are gonna we? say four hundred. Four hundred. Four to five hundred. Let's so, say. So let's say you were gonna just bring straight up lime juice. Let's say I can make it keep for you, right? Okay. Uh, you're gonna be talking about in the levels that I'm doing. Let's say about an ounce per drink. How many? How many drinks? Four hundred. Let's say let's say five, four or five hundred. So like five hundred ounces. So call that like uh, eight two liter bottles. Can you do it? Could I bring eight two liter bottles? No, it's too heavy. I can't travel with that. Eight two. Now you're getting tough. Here's the problem with acids. Yeah, talk to me. Acids don't have. First of all, they don't have the richness of flavor that a real uh, that a real you know citrus is going to have. They're right. good for making sodas. And things that are going to keep uh, infinitely. And the good news is the amount of acid that's contained in a liter, right? So a kilogram of lime juice only weighs 60 grams, Mm -hmm. right? But uh, things that are shaken that have acids in them have no texture because they don't have any of the proteins that you get out of the the citrus. Um, And it's never going to have that kind of fresh kind of fruit kind of a thing going on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, if you could have someone deliver the citrus to the trailer, then you could juice it and cook it. The answer to keeping it is doing cordial, right? Right. So, like, you know, if you want to use real citrus, the answer is, is like, you don't want to be juicing every day, and the juice is going to go bad, it's right? Not, it's not – even though we do have refrigeration in the trailer, and there's actually a little bit of added refrigeration in, in this sort of, like, desert kitchen thing, right. it's not – it's it's not something I can count on. It's right. not – Like, e- equal quantities of sugar and lime juice. Mm-hmm. You're going to remember, you're going to need sugar out there, too. So yeah. Equal quantities of sugar and lime juice, if you just bring it up to a boil with some peel in it and let it settle out, that can stay out in the desert, covered, not in a fridge, forever. And We're can- talking about, by the way, like temperatures can rise during the day to over 100 degrees and higher, and at night they can drop to freezing. Yeah, it's all a good. Very, very challenging environment. Uh, yeah, but this, it's all good. You'll be good for how long is it? Less, less than a week. week. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be good because the combination of the acidity and the sugar ain't nothing growing in, in that cordial, right? So it's totally preserved. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't 
fly it out there. Right. But you know, you could like 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 when you pick up the thing, like quickly juice like the the limes, or have someone buy the. Hey, actually, don't buy the really bad stuff. But once you're going to cook it, the lime juice doesn't have to be super fresh anyway, because you're going to make a cordial with it, right? right? Test it here first, so you get the recipe right. But you could literally just buy the. I'm making air quotes like fresh lime juice that's been juiced a couple of days ago. You could buy it by the court out there in uh, in, Reno. Vegas, in Reno. You know my uh, my crazy uncle Ralph Vigorito was a pit boss in Reno back in the day. Did not know that. Yeah, glad to pay him a visit if you'd like. Yeah. Oh no, he's in Jersey now. Oh. I haven't seen him in a while. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. He's an awesome character. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, like equal quantities of that lime juice. Not the real, not the real bull, real BS, you know, but like semi-fresh. Right. Uh, Oh, here's another good one. Ah, even easier. Even easier. Take the malic acid and the citric acid that I'm talking about. The powders. Yeah. Test this. I haven't done it. I haven't made an orange cordial. But take the the malic and the citric, and it's 32 grams of um, uh, citric and 20 grams of malic acid per liter of OJ. Because OJ is fantastically easy to buy, fresh squeezed, right? Combine uh, that and every every liter of that OJ, which you can source anywhere, Mm -hmm. and you just fly out with the powders. Put uh, equal quantity, a kilo of sugar in. Bring it up to the boil. Let it come down and use that as your sour mix. Should be stable. Should be uh, should be good. Should be good. I haven't done it, so we have to test it. It's going to have a cooked orange flavor, mm-hmm. not a fresh orange flavor, mm-hmm. but it'll have still like a bright acidity to it. Okay. I'll test it. I'll see how it works. I okay. throw a couple peels in anyway, but that should be easy, and you can source everything. But I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head now. It's also a matter. I mean, there are other logistical issues. I mean, there is actually there's this desert kitchen, so there is there is a stove. I mean, it's a propane, you know, like one yeah, yeah. burner. But so there's capability to boil. But you only but, need to do it one time. Yeah, but one it's time. also like I, you know, I don't want to. I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that need to be fed in this kitchen, so I can't like commandeer that. For I'll the tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do just for you. Talk when, do you to me. when do you have to go? Leaving the last day of August. All right. So we have, yeah. you know what I'll do? I will take and I will make a non-boiled version of this cor- cordial in quotes because it's in not quotes. boiled. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw it in my D-high at 110 <gasps> degrees for a week and we'll see how it tastes. And then we're going to make a powder. Well, no. I'll take the – in other words, like you'll just go out there. You'll buy OJ and sugar out there in Reno Dump the powder, the OJ, and the sugar together. Stir it until it dissolves and see how it tastes. I'll just do a test in my dehydrator and see what happens to it. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So this is, this is, this is the key. Light, light enough to travel with. In the luggage, yeah. In the luggage. Luggages. Shelf stable. Ish, yeah. Enough. Yeah. You know. And uh, is, approximates the flavor of real citrus. I mean, it will, it will be real citrus. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We're yeah. not just going to approximate. We're going to make it happen. Okay. We're going to make it happen. All right. And listen, we're going to have to do a catch-up show because I did not get to hardly any – I got exactly to one question. We have lots of questions that I know I owe you guys the answers to. Please don't get angry. We still have your questions. We'll get back to them next time on Cooking Issues. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.